Good evening and welcome to our Bible study. And this evening we're going to look at Revelation chapter 14, starting to read at verse 1. Revelation 14. Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty-four thousand, who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters, and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne, and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are those who didn't defile themselves with women, for they kept themselves pure. They follow the Lamb wherever he goes. They were purchased from among men and offered as first fruits to God and the Lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. A second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on the forehead or on the hand, he too will drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulphur in the presence of the holy angels of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment rises for ever and ever. There's no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and his image, or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commands, commandments and remain faithful to him. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. I looked and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like a son of man, with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, Take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Still another angel, who had charge over the fire, came from the altar, and called in a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, Take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine. Because its grapes are ripe, the angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered the grapes and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and blood flowed out of the press, raising 
a high, as high as a horse's bridle for a distance of 1,600 stada. Let's pray before we look at this passage together. Our Father, we thank you again for your word, and again we seek your guidance as we look at these verses and as we see more of you and more of your glory. Our Father, we just ask your blessing upon us now as we come to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I want us to sort of cast our minds back a little bit to when we first started the study of Revelation. The seven churches that are mentioned at the beginning of the book are seven real churches living in days of oppression, oppression to the gospel. And the opposition that they have came from, well, materialism that would tempt them away from the church, false teachers within the church who would distort the truth that could bring doubts the threat of rejection from society and persecution from world leaders who would try to eliminate the truth of the gospel. Now, in their day, it would have been people like the Emperor, Emperor Nero and the Emperor Domitian. But with these things in mind, I want us to look at some of the things that God was saying to those seven churches as he warns them, he rebukes them, and he also encourages them to live faithful lives in the midst of persecution. And he's also preparing them for the future. So let's just go back for a moment. Revelation 2 verse 6 to the church at Ephesus. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now these Nicolaitans, we're not completely sure of what they did, but it appears that they were those who had one foot in the world and one foot in the church. In other words, they were trying to serve two masters. When we come to chapter 2, verse 9 to 10, to the church at Smyrna, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. So here we have the mention of persecution, persecution for the sake of the gospel and the Evidence that it is Satan who is behind this persecution. When we come to verse 13 of Revelation 2, to the church of Pergamum, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You didn't renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city, where Satan lives. So what we have here, we have the addition here that there will be martyrdom and this has already happened it's happened to the church of pergamum and then in that same chapter 2 verse 24 to 25 to the church of thyatira now i say to the rest of you in thyatira to you who do not hold to her teaching the hair referred to here that is the woman who the name is jezebel that doesn't have to be a real name but that's what she's described as jezebel and she was uh, teaching this, as we read on, not to hold to her teaching, 
and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose on you any other burden except to hold on to what you have until I come. So again, the evidence here that Satan is behind the persecution and the, the, the false teaching in the early church. We go over to Revelation 3 and verse 3, the church of Sardis. This is a wake-up call. We read, Remember therefore what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come. So here is a call to the church for perseverance. Revelation 3 verse 9, the church at Philadelphia, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. So what we have here is now again false teaching, deception, deception coming under the cloak of Christianity. And then in Revelation 3 verse 17, uh, to the church at Laodicea. You say, I'm rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So what do we have here? We have the church being uh, at a position where they no longer see the need for the gospel. These seven churches under the new covenant, seven being the number of completion, they are here in Revelation. They're here as representing the complete church. The church that is living in the church age. That is, from the time of the resurrection and ascension of Jesus to the day of his return. This is why Paul could say to the church in his day in 2 Corinthians 11, 12 and 15, and I will keep on doing what I'm doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. You see, this is why we in our day need to listen to what God is saying to us in his word and specifically here in the book of Revelation. In the words of John, whoever has ears let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Get that last bit. What the Spirit says to the churches. There's a question. Is it any different for the true believer today than it was for those believers in the early church? The seven churches who are held up as an example of what the true church will suffer. You know, in our day, some churches are teaching that it's okay to be in the world and of the world. In other words, to serve two masters. This is directly against what Jesus said. You cannot serve God and mammon. The Christian charity opened doors 
lists the top 50 countries where believers are being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. Christians in our day are being killed and imprisoned. And in many so-called first world countries, false teaching under a cloak of Christianity is distorting the gospel and distorting God's word. Well, who is behind it? And is the call for perseverance still relevant to us today? I think you know the answer to that. In Revelation chapter 13, we hear how Satan will persecute the church. Revelation 13 verse 14, because of the signs it was given power, this is the beast, Satan working through him, it was given the power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. Now while in chapter 13 God continues to speak about the times before Jesus returns, chapter 14 brings us some encouragement Encouragement to the suffering church in John's day, in Paul's day, and in our day. As God opens a window that allows John to see some events that will happen at the end of the church age. So let's have a look at those verses we read previously. 14 verse 1 to 4, Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb, standing on Mount Zion, and with the 144,000, who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters, like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne, and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. So here's a few questions. Where is this happening? Well, it's Mount Zion, the dwelling place of God. Who are there? The complete church. And they are assembled with the heavenly hosts. How are they recognized? Well, they have the Father's name written on their foreheads. What are they doing? They're rejoicing. The living creatures, the elders, the redeemed, all standing around the throne of God, singing the words of the new song that only they could know. Let's move to verse 4 and 5. These are those who didn't defile themselves with women, for they remained virgins. They followed the Lamb wherever he goes. They were purchased from among mankind and offered as first fruits to, the God, to God and the Lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. Well, first of all, they are blameless. Well, blameless because Jesus has paid the price for the sins that they and us have committed. So they are sinners, but sinners who are saved by grace. They are not perfect, or they weren't perfect, but they are now perfect in Christ. In Scripture, the church is seen as being the bride of Christ. 
In the Old Testament, we have many examples of this, even reference to divorce and unfaithfulness. But let's just look at this little passage in 2 Kings 20, just a couple of verses. This is when Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, ridiculed and blasphemed God's people and God. And God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, referring to the nation of Israel as being a virgin. In other words, as being pure. And this is pure in a spiritual sense. So 2 Kings 20, we just read verse 21. This is the word that the Lord has spoken against him. Virgin daughter Zion despises you and mocks you. Daughter Jerusalem tosses her head as you flee. This is God speaking about his people, Israel, referring to them as a daughter, a virgin. This, as I said, is a reference to spiritual purity. And Revelation twenty-two seventeen, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. This is the purity that the sinner can have by the death and resurrection of Jesus. So let's move on to this word, first fruits. Well, first fruits are that which is offered to God. If we go into the Old Testament, Exodus 23, verse 29, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Then we come into the New Testament, and Paul refers to it in Romans 8, verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So Jesus is the firstborn, but he's the firstborn amongst many who will be presented to God. And that's why we have this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23. But each in turn, Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. So these, in these few verses that we've looked at this evening, these are words of hope. But in the meantime, we're now going to move into verse 6 and 7 of Revelation 14, and we're going to see that till that time when Christ comes, the church will continue to suffer. Verse 6, Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him the glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Notice that, the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and the springs of water. Pause for a moment, think about this. The gospel brings eternal life. It brings eternal blessings. Well, that doesn't mean that the blessings will be eternally offered to a sinful world. God's day of grace will one day end, and then the gospel will bring eternal punishment, hence the warning. Because those who have rejected God will still need to come before him, but this time to suffer his wrath. 
And when we come to verse 8 of this chapter, the fall of those who persecute the believers. A second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. We're going to look at that a little bit later uh, as we go into the rest of Revelation. But for this evening, just these verses. A second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. You see, when evil nations fall, that of itself should be a warning to the world of the results of ignoring the gospel. By doing so, by ignoring the gospel, they stand in danger of suffering God's judgment. Verse 9 through to 12. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives its mark on his forehead and on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into a cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image, or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. You see here, in contrast to those in Revelation 14 verse 4, those who are following the Lamb, we read, they follow the Lamb wherever he goes, they were purchased from among mankind and offered as first fruits to God and the Lamb. But what about those who follow the beast? Remember, it's Satan who is behind the beast. And here in these verses, we see the downfall of those who follow the beast. And they will suffer. What will they suffer? The cup of God's wrath. But then we come to Revelation 12 through to 13. And again, we have some words of encouragement for the church. Verse 12, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. Remember, this was an issue of the early church. They were concerned that if people died before Jesus came, before he returned, they were saying, what will happen to them? Will they not be taken to heaven? Well, this is a, a, a reassurance for them. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. This is the certainty of the blessings for those who die those who die in faith so verse 14 uh, the vision turns again to the last days i looked and there before me was a white cloud and seated on the cloud was one like a son of man with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand so here's the question who is this who is the son of man with a crown of gold on his head well we know that we need to go into the uh, god's word we can go back to daniel we go back to daniel 8 and verse 13 through to 14 listen to what we read there in relation to what we've just heard from revelation daniel 8 verse 13 in my vision at night i looked and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. 
He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence, and he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Now, here's an important thing. When we come to the Gospels, the title that Jesus applies to himself more than any other title is that of the Son of Man. Now, by this name, the Son of Man, the Jewish people should have recognized Jesus as their Messiah. Jesus used that name more than any other name, and he was telling them, that he was the Messiah, the one that Daniel spoke about, the promised one that the other prophets spoke about. So let's go to chapter, verse, uh, let's go to verse 15 of our passage here in Revelation. Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Now, this is a message, a message from the Father to the Son. And the message is that the time of judgment is at hand. So, in verse 16, we read, So he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. Let's carry on in verse 17. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Still another angel who had charge of the fire came from the altar and called in a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle. Take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine because its grapes are ripe. The angel swung his sickle on the earth, gathered its grapes and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and the blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridle for a distance of 1,600 stadia. You know, this is a graphic illustration. Remember, these things are, are figurative of what will happen to emphasize the, the, the depth and the importance of it. The word stadium, word that we use quite a lot, comes from the word stadia. And when you think of stadia, it's as being an area that's able to accommodate many stadiums. And a horse's bridle, I understand a horse's bridle, is around about four foot six, heading up towards five feet, depending on the size of the horse, about four foot six from the ground. So this gives us a picture, which is giving us a distance of about 180 miles 180 miles or so long and being about five feet deep. That 1,600 stadia is a figurative number that represents the completeness of God's judgment. That's why these words are so strong and sometimes so hard to, 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 to grab hold of because this is a big, important issue. You know, just stop for a moment and think about these things. We don't claim to have all the answers. We know the truths behind them. But we don't know all the whys and the whens and the wherefores. And that is quite right. That is how God has designed it. So we keep, we keep waiting and looking and longing for what will happen. 
Some thoughts is that Revelation verse 15 and 16 in this chapter refer to the harvest of the saints. This is the verse. Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, Take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. Now, there are some who then go on and think that Revelation 17 is now referring to a second harvest, the harvest of judgment. Another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. Now, when we think about this and look at it in context, rather than this being two harvests, in view of the subject of the passage being judgment, the thought is the verse 15, 16, and 17 refer to the one harvest, the harvest of God's wrath and the administration of God's judgment. Now, as in it, John is alluding to what the prophet Joel said when he spoke about the day of the Lord. So as we close, I want us to just think of these words from Joel. Joel chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. In those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Remember that word. There I will put them on trial. Then further down in Joel chapter 3, verse 13, uh, 12 and 13, uh, Joel chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. Let the nations be roused. Let them advance into the valley of Jehoshaphat. There's that word again. For there I will sit to judge all the nations on every side. Swing the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, trample the grapes, for the winepress is full and the vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. Now I said remember that word Jehoshaphat. That word Jehoshaphat means Yahweh is judge or Yahweh has judged. In other words, that word means the Lord judges. So it seems that this part of Revelation that we've looked at this evening, it is about the glory of those who will be with God in heaven after, Lord, after the Lord has taken them home. That is for encouragement. But then the passage comes back to speak about the days in which the early church was living, the days in which we live, and looking towards the final day of the Lord's judgment. And also, in these passages, we're being reminded of both sides of the gospel. We see on the one side the power of God's love, and on the other side, the awfulness of his wrath. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that you will help us to understand these verses and to see that whatever happens, you will return. Whatever happens, sin will be judged. And our Father, we just pray that you will give us both warnings and encouragement as we look at these verses together, and as we do it, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, just a few verses to finish with. We've referred to Psalm 2. Psalm 2 is a good psalm to read through as we go through the book of Revelation. But I just want to read and finish with 
the first six verses of Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The king of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Say amen to that.